Joining us for a conversation is the founder of Capitalism and Morality, and our guest is also a highly sought-out advisor to institutional investors, the always fascinating Giant Bandari. Mr. Bandari, welcome to the show, sir. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Maurice. Oh, it's great to have you back on the show, as we will cover a lot of ground today from macroeconomics to geopolitics and investment opportunities for our audience members. Let's begin with the former, shall we? Giant, while most Americans are distracted by the NBA playoffs and the quarterback trades in the NFL, a significant development may have just occurred that may impact the entire world. The International Monetary Fund has just unveiled a new digital currency known as the Universal Monetary Unit. For someone not aware of this new currency, why was it created and what type of impact could this have on global currencies? Uh, Maurice, uh, I didn't know about this currency until you mentioned that to me. Uh, but the fact is that a lot of countries uh, are trying to bring in digital currency to, to enable the government to control day-to-day -day economic lives of their citizens. Uh, my view is that uh, we are heading towards a totalitarian future. Globalization has broken down uh, and we really have put in place utter fools as in positions of governance in our society. Um, and they are, and fools have a tendency to collectivize, to, to run a tyrannical totalitarian system because fools have a, the, fools think that they are the smartest people in the town. They think they should run lives of their citizens completely forgetful of the fact that citizens were smart enough to vote for them. So they should have been smarter than the rulers themselves, but that's not the math that works in the minds of the rulers. So now, as you see, we have uh, really stupid people running the world. Uh, and um, the problem is that before they can bring together all these totalitarian systems in place, this system is going to fall apart. So I'm not so worried about uh, these digital coins because they will never be able to, they will for sure not be able to make these things work uh, over the next few years. The world is heading towards a chaotic future right now. Now, these technocrats and world leaders and big thinkers that you just referenced, didn't they get us to this exact position that we're in right now? Uh, well, I mean, they, so Maurice, uh, you know, the, and we have talked about this in the past, democracy has inverted the pyramid of meritocracy. The bottom 51% people, or to be mathematically more precise, bottom 50% plus one person chooses who comes to rule us today. So democracy is anti-meritocratic and it has resulted into this bread and circuses uh, set of uh, people who have come to rule us. As you rightly mentioned, people, most people are into MBAs and sports and I don't really follow any of those things, uh, Maurice, and I have nothing against uh, people who follow those. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the problem is for a vast majority, not just the majority, a vast majority of people, uh, bread and circuses is more important than uh, institutions, philosophy, systems. 
uh, and they are into bread and circuses and they want free stuff. They want to be entertained. Uh, and this is what Kamala Harris and Biden and uh, Trudeau are doing today. Uh, and the end result is what we are going we, we are facing and what we will continue to face because these people are hollowing out our institutions. Uh, I was this morning watching a video of a cockroach, a dead cockroach, which was still walking around because the, the brain of the cockroach had been taken over by a virus. So the cockroach had been completely hollowed out, but the cockroach was still walking around because the virus was sending signals to the legs to move. Um, and I think this is the kind of uh, uh, institutions we are uh, getting to right now. Uh, and uh, I, uh, Maurice, I, I, the only credit I give myself is that I grew up in a system which is a non-system, which is a completely feral, um, barbaric society of India. Uh, and I can I can see where the the first world is moving towards. Now, the first world is not going to get to India because India is just uh, truly a dysfunctional uh, place, uh, but the first world is certainly destroying itself by this wokeism, by trying to control economic lives of people, by by ramping up the welfare state and by uh, creating the moral hazard, by increasing the size of population that is dependent on the nanny government. Uh, which means that uh, these people, uh, increasingly the major vast majority of people, uh, want governments to increase in size because it seemingly at that moment works in their interest to vote for a bigger government. You reference India and you reference woke, or should I say joke, or should I say broke? I don't know. You pick your, <laughs> you pick which nomenclature you want. We'll get to that in just a minute here. I want to stick with currencies here. Uh, this leads me to ask with all these currencies that are being developed, there must be a reason why. So the question I have, sir, is, is the United States past its peak as the world's reserve currency or is it here to stay for the long term? Well, absolutely, Maurice. Uh, uh, the United States has passed its peak as the world's reserve currency that you can clearly see that in how uh, many countries are reducing US dollar as a part of the foreign reserves that they hold. Um, China has been reducing it. Many other countries have been reducing uh, the proportion of their foreign reserves in US dollar. Uh, but that said, uh, you should remember the US is still by far the best country on the planet. It is still has the among the best institutions uh, in the world. It has perhaps the most enlightened population on the planet even today, uh, despite massive degradation that has taken place. So uh, US has such a huge quality and such a huge inertia that the US dollar will continue to be uh, uh, the international reserve currency for the uh, foreseeable future. Uh, but at the same time, we should also remember that uh, the US uh, government has increasingly destroyed the moral authority that the US used to have abroad uh, and uh, its uh, its um, uh, independence as uh, an arbitrator of what was fair and just. Um, and as a result, uh, what we increasingly see is that people are pulling back, countries are pulling back from uh, trusting the US anymore. Now, that does not mean they, 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 they don't depend on the US right now, because let's see that uh, India wants to buy $2 billion worth of 
uh, armaments from Russia. Now, these two countries are supposed to be among the best friends. Uh, unfortunately, they can't do the transaction because they can't trust each other and they must need the U.S. as the mediator, U.S. currency as the mediator to do the transaction. So, uh, you know, that's how important the U.S. dollar is. But the fact remains that people are now increasingly holding less and less of the U.S. dollar, which means that more and more U.S. dollars are going to return back to the U.S. The, the cash which was issued to people uh, for no interest uh, being paid by the U.S. government, that money is going to return back. Uh, and uh, bonds, the treasuries that the U.S. government released will come under pressure. So this cash is going to return back to the U.S. and it will be a huge amount of problem for the Federal Reserve uh, for many, many years to, to, to suck out this ex excessive excess cash from the system. Otherwise, uh, we will have inflation. So inflation will be a part of the U.S. Uh, uh, system going forward. And that is what the market is increasingly recognizing. The U.S. dollar has clearly gone past its peak and you will it will be uh, the reserve currency, but it will no longer um, enjoy the, the, the extra value of, of a reserve currency because now the flow of the U.S. dollar is returning back to the U.S. It certainly is a duplicitous scenario that you just uh, alluded to with all that currency coming back to the United States. And the impact will be, uh, we're already feeling some effects of it, but I can only imagine as those, those currencies repatriate themselves here, uh, the impact it's going to have on our wallets. You also referenced that governments or and or central banks have been net sellers of the U.S. currency, but they've also been net buyers of gold. So germane to the subject of currencies, what are your thoughts on precious metals right now? And is this a good time to buy? Uh, well, so Maurice, I have been ambivalent about gold uh, in the past when I have talked with you. I increasingly think that despite the fact that gold price has gone up quite a bit over the last few weeks, there is a, now a significant upside in gold. And the reason is that we are heading, we have a very chaotic present already. Uh, we have a war in Sudan, Pakistan is collapsing, there are uh, massive problems in sub-Saharan Africa. There are increasing problems in the Western world. So the world is a very chaotic place. Um, the governments are trying to keep control of every penny that you hold in your pocket. And of course, that penny they want to convert into digital currency so that this bureaucrat who, uh, who does not live in the real world can tell you what you can spend that money on. This is going to lead to a very insecure and chaotic future. Uh, and as a result, uh, uh, we will have um, a, a degradation of the U.S. dollar. We will have um, uh, we will have problems. And uh, because of this chaos, because of uh, lack of trust in the system, people would will want to hold something physical in their pocket that they can access in the time of need. Because your bank account might get frozen. Uh, and I tell you, uh, a close friend of mine had her uh, brokerage account in the U.S. completely frozen. She was thrown out of even logging into her account. And uh, FIRNA, which is the financial authority, did nothing about it. 
So, uh, you know, uh, once you have everything electronic, you can be frozen out of the system because of these, uh, because of the moodiness of these bureaucrats, which, uh, you know, in Canada, they did the same thing. They froze bank accounts of uh, people during COVID days. So you really want to have something physical in your pocket, which you can access in the time of need. And that is not just about time of desperate need, because you might just want to have some cash and cash you can't keep because cash is getting inflated away at uh, at five or six percent rate every every year. What you need is something that has tangible value and which maintains its value going forward. And for me, gold is a very, very, very important part of that protection. You reference banks and capital controls, in essence, what you alluded to here. I can share this recently happened with a customer that uh, attempted to make his first precious metal purchase. And of course, I'm going to leave his name out of this, but he attempted to just uh, wire 22000 if I'm not mistaken, from his brokerage account to his bank. When the funds arrived at his bank, they released only 25% of that 22000 the next day, and then he had to rate... Uh, was it 10 business days, if I'm not mistaken, for them to release the remainder, 75% of that. Uh, so that should just, you know, show you or indicate to you that something isn't right because these are two accounts that were actually linked. He had his bank account linked to the brokerage account. So it wasn't a new transaction because the funds originally came from that bank account. Uh, and I can also share with you, you know, three years ago, I was just attempting to make a, a six-figure transaction and I didn't even want a, uh, I'm going to, they're called money orders, but I don't like to call them money orders. It was a currency order. I didn't even want cash. I just wanted to, it was a six-figure transaction. And I was in line at a bank where I do numerous transactions, wires, international wires. And it, I was there for about 45 minutes and I just wanted a cashier's check slash money order. So something is wrong with the system. But through, that was two, two and a half years ago, my transaction, six figures. Now it's come down to five figures. And I can only imagine what's going to happen once it reaches the the average citizen that just needs to make a, a withdrawal out of their atm machine and they're going to have that limit of i don't know let's pick a number for the for the month a thousand bucks and they can't they need to feed their families and they need to pay the utilities bills whatever you name it they're not going to be able to do it so you've made you've made yeah, a great point and and maurice uh, remember the u.s dollar u.s uh, state u.s as a nation is what the world looks up to if the U.S. degrades, people use that. People think that what the U.S. doing is doing must be the right thing to do. So it in it makes it possible for the tyrants around the world to tell their citizens that hey, even the U.S. is doing it, so we can do it as well. Mm -hmm. So U.S. is supposed to be the yardstick of moral values and what is right and uh, about uh, the rule of law. And if the U.S. Uh, reduces um, its rule of law, then it will inflict damage around the world. Now, Maurice, I'm currently in Tokyo. Uh, a lot people, cash is the king here. People use a lot of cash in this country, uh, and uh, and that is a great thing because uh, uh, you know, firstly, uh, these people have imported a lot of good values from the Western society, and they have retained and maintained and adapted those values for their own purposes. Uh, and because the, the way they have functioned, they have preserved the the Western values within their countries in in East Asia. 
Now, I have to ask you this as well, because a number of our audience members are buyers of precious metals. We talked about gold. What are your thoughts on silver, platinum, palladium? Any thoughts on those, sir? Well, uh, so uh, you see, uh, Maurice, uh, platinum and palladium are, uh, I don't really, you know, I have, of course, I have spent a lot of time trying to understand those two commodities. Uh, the problem is that uh, platinum and, and palladium are underpinned by a lot of issues, social and political issues to do with Russia and South Africa. And sometimes you might be producing these commodities at a massive loss, but you will continue to produce them for political purposes uh, in, in those countries. And as uh, Keynes said, you can uh, uh, the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay uh, solvent. So uh, I'm not going to uh, bet uh, a fight with uh, the political and social inertia of South Africa and Russia. Or, or at least should I say, I don't understand those things perfectly and I don't understand uh, because of those things what the future of these two commodities would be. But clearly silver and gold are the commodities that have a huge amount of value in trying to preserve your buying power and not only your buying power, but to preserve you, what you own from the expropriatory um, uh, intentions of the bureaucrats and politicians that you have in your country. Leaving the United States, let's go south to Latin America. What are the latest developments there that we should be concerned about? So, uh, uh, Maurice, I mentioned to you that, uh, you know, U.S., uh, th there was something called Pax Americana, which came into existence after Pax uh, uh, Britannica, Britannia went away. Uh, America was uh, arbitrating peace around the world. America had the moral authority. Now, it did a lot of wrong things, but uh, it did enough good that overall, the influence, the political influence that the U.S. had on our countries was, in my view, net positive. For example, in Latin America, whenever those governments uh, drifted towards left, um, uh, American government walked in and said, hey, uh, either we are going to replace your politicians or by force, by, you know, by insurgency or whatever, good or bad, wrong ways. But America tried to stop drift of Latin countries, Latin American countries towards the left. Now, here is the problem, Maurice, today that America itself has gone woke. America has become leftist. Its politicians like, you know, Kamala Harris, Biden uh, are extremely woke people. And these woke people, uh, apart from the fact that they don't have moral authority anymore to influence, uh, exercise influence on other countries, they actually believe in leftism and wokeism. And the end result is what you see. Uh, you, you see Chile just yesterday or the day before yesterday announced that it was going to partially or fully nationalize the lithium uh, mining in that country. Uh, I was in Chile for a month uh, uh, later last year. And Chile is almost like a burnt down country. Uh, people have gone extremely woke. They have gone uh, increasingly um, hedonistic. Um, and I must say that the end game will be barbarism uh, and savagery. Um, and because America is no longer uh, able to exercise its influence, um, Latin American countries all the way from Mexico to Argentina and Chile uh, 
will continue to drift leftist and towards becoming increasingly woke. You have problems in Colombia. You have huge problems in Ecuador today. Uh, Mexico is uh, becoming very difficult for foreigners. So uh, across the board in Latin America, you will see political problems because the U.S. is no longer able to um, exercise its influence and actually does not even know what influence to exercise because U.S., government has itself gone completely woke. Yeah, I also read recently in Argentina, they're having a homeless crisis at the airport of all places in uh, the capital city there. I don't know if you had an opportunity to read that. Well, so again, uh, Maurice, I was in Argentina recently. Uh, I was not in uh, the capital, so I don't know about this uh, homeless crisis in the capital. Uh, but the inflation rate is horrendous in, in Argentina. Uh, I for you know, and this is where foreigners make a huge amount of mistake. And we talked about this in the past. Uh, my money gets extraordinarily good value in Argentina because I pay because of the black market rate, which is called blue rate in Argentina. I get twice as much of the local currency by exchanging my U.S. dollar for the local currency, which means that, that I pay a, a fraction of what the locals pay for the same uh uh, services and uh, my dinners or anything that I used. Uh, so for for a foreign a foreigner might go to Argentina and say, "Hey, what a heaven it is! What a wonderful country it is!" Uh, but for the locals, which is the perception we should try to understand, because Argentina is for Argentinians. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact remains that uh, there is they continue to have massive inflation, uh, and in the last uh, six months, you know, I was there later last year. Uh, so in just the last four or five months, uh, the currency rate of Argentina has fallen by about, I think, about 50 to 70 percent. So, uh, you know, it's very hard for you to hold Argentinian cash in your pocket because it loses its value on a daily basis. Leaving Latin America, let's go east and visit India, which has just become the most populated country on the planet. Sir, I know you're not a, a fan of India for several reasons. But is this a game changer now that India is the most populated country? You know, are we going to see the world's attention begin to shift to India now that it has surpassed China in population? Uh, well, uh, as I have told you many times, Maurice, the world should be paying a lot of attention to what's happening in India. Today, a lot of people, and I don't have the numbers with me, but you know, a significant number of people crossing the border from Mexico to the U.S. illegally as refugees are actually Indians. So there is an increase of refugees from India happening to the U.S. Now, India is about one out of every Indians are one out of every five people on the planet. So what happens in India, good or bad, has an influence around the world particularly when there are no border walls and these and the people can actually move into another borders. I think there will be a massive refugee crisis eventually going to happen um, because of India. Uh, India is really falling apart, Maurice. And I know uh, and this is this frustrates me no end because the, the World Bank and the IMF keep coming out with extremely rosy um, portrayal of India. Uh, which is completely fake, which is completely deluded, which is completely unethical, completely wrong. Uh, and the reason is, uh, Maurice, that uh, anyone who speaks my kind of 
understanding in a boardroom in uh, in the IMF or the World Bank would get fired right away. So they have only politically correct people sitting in their boardrooms today. The end result is that we the foreigners don't really understand India. And if a if a white Western person goes to India, returns back, and he, if he or she uh, uh, has a problem in India, uh, he is constrained from speaking up about it because he does not want to look racist or sexist. So he keeps mm -hmm. quiet. Uh, the problem, however, is that there is a problem. You can't run away from reality by ignoring the existence of reality. India is falling apart. Its economy has been stagnant for the last three or four years. And I know there's a lot of talk about how rapidly India is growing this year, but it's just trying to make up for all the massive loss of economic output that it suffered during the COVID days. Uh, but moreover, uh, whatever benefit that is growth that is happening is mostly happening to um, uh, and a minority of the population, which is the top one or two or three percent of the population, the Adani kind of people, the Dilip, Biltcon kind of people, uh, you know, you must have heard, uh, read a lot about Adani recently. This company lost most of a massive amount of its value because there was apparently or allegedly from this American short seller, there was a huge amount of uh, fraud going on in how the company was portraying its, uh, 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 itself. So, uh, you know, uh, those people might be benefiting, but the larger uh, proportion of India is actually worse off than I would say what it what they were like 10 or 15 years back. There's a massive amount of poverty. There's a massive amount of hunger and there's a there's a massive amount of joblessness. And the Indians are extremely unskilled at anything you uh, Maurice, the problem is that, again, as you know, I, I have spent a lot of time in India recently. Uh, you can't even, you know, even the maids are unable to do their job properly. Now, in East Asia, when I travel, if I have a Filipino worker or uh, an Indonesian person, or a, they, they actually know how to get things done. They can be trained. Indians are so untrained. And I must say, because of this uh, general ecology of chaos, people cannot be taught systems in that country. So, <clears throat> uh, again, India is falling apart. Corruption is rampant, Maurice. Uh, I had, uh, for over a period of a few months, I had uh, 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 encounters with uh, 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 the police department of the central province of Madhya Pradesh. And I tell you, the higher you go to complain, the only thing that changes is how much money you have to pay in bribes. Uh, so, you know, the, the whole system is corrupt. There is no uh, no one to protect you. There's no sense of law and order in that country. And my guess is that uh, India is the next Pakistan. India will likely become worse than Pakistan over the next few years. Now, Jayant, your comments regarding India are juxtaposed to what we hear often on the financial news channels that always state that India is an emerging economy. But you have a different opinion. What do you see India as? Well, so, Maurice, uh, I want to take a, 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 a historical picture of what India was before the Islamic, ruthless, barbaric uh, Islamic rulers, savage Islamic rulers came into India. 
And I think despite the fact that these Islamic rulers were barbaric and savage, they were already a massive improvement for in what India was like those days. Uh, now, uh, so uh, then Europeans came and Europeans tried to civilize that country. And I think India became a much, much, much better place because of European presence. Europeans brought in the concept of education. There was no concept of, uh, you know, railways, post office, law, law and order, judiciary in that country, in India. So Europeans, particularly the British, brought in that concept. Christianity brought in the concept of moral values, uh, which already had been brought in by Islamic rulers to a certain extent. I, you know, I have no love for Islam, Maurice. And I don't I think they get a lot of things wrong, but at least they have the concept of discipline and and moral values. They get all those values, most of those values wrong, in my view, but at least they have the concept. Uh, India did not have those con those concepts. It was a feral society uh, a thousand years back, a completely feral society. People did not even have the concept of clothing properly. Now, because of massive improvement brought in by European rulers, uh, the population of India has grown up by about 10 times. So the, from the date that British arrived in India, population is now about 10 times. Uh, so that is the massive contribution that Europeans managed to, to, to make to India. And I think what we have done over the last 70 years of uh, so-called independence is that we have hollowed out those institutions uh, because Indian uh, as a core, uh, uh, as a society, as a culture does not have the concept of moral values. Uh, they don't really understand the significance of having moral people running your country. Uh, as a result, uh, we uh, Indians don't really understand when uh, psychopaths rise up in power as long as those psychopaths are uh, emotionally amenable to this larger population. So uh, the end result is that we have true psychopaths uh, running India today. They are um, uh, quite brain dead, I would say quite junkie-like people now running the bureaucracy and uh, politics uh, of India. Now, before we get all the hate responses that we tend to have when you come on, you are uh, you referenced two two faiths, Christians and uh, um, Islam, and you're an atheist. If 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 I can speak for you here, so you can't get on Mr. Bendari regarding that. And also, I've heard many times that uh, you're a puppet for Great Britain, and you're not from Great Britain. So, just want to set the record straight for anyone who wants to have a rebuttal with a personal attack. Use a an, an argument that is based on. What he has said is use a counter argument, but not a personal attack. <laughs> I see him all the time, so I just want to clear the air on that. <laughs> uh, a question. Yeah, and, I, and, I, oh, and ahead, Maurice, sir. and Maurice, a, a big problem that has emerged recently is that uh, comparing India with the West is bad enough in the minds of many Indians, despite the fact that uh, India is one of the poorest, more wretched countries on the planet. Uh, that is bad enough comparing the West with India. But uh, Indians go completely crazy when you try to compare India with Pakistan. And Pakistanis go completely crazy if you uh, compare Pakistan with India because they see uh, their own reflection when they talk about uh, the other country because they are both equally degraded, uh, degenerate, and 
immoral societies and they are both reverting back to their pre, uh, pre-British, pre-European uh, state of society, which will be uh, feral and then savage and barbaric. We've talked about the population, but something I've never considered here, and I don't know if you may have this answer here, but with this population growth, are these children going into married homes? Because you referenced morals as well. Are these single parent, ho- uh, parent ho- homes? I'm sorry. So, so uh, Maurice, this is very interesting. You go back a thousand years and, uh, you know, India was a relative, was a feral country. Uh, the the concept of family, the concept of community, uh, the com- com- was brought in by Islamic rulers and brought in in a big way by the British uh, rulers and Christianity. They brought in the culture of moral values in this society. So uh, India, uh, so when Indians say that uh, family culture is inherent to India, they are they are lying to you. Uh, the the family culture was brought into India by Europeans. They did not have the concept of uh, families. Now, Maurice, uh, I did not believe in the concept of families until I arrived in the UK when I was went to study in the UK because I had never seen a happy family in that country. Um, uh, wives and men, I, I did not really... Um, in my uh, emotions, understood the concept of love because uh, I had never seen it. Uh, not just uh, I'm not just talking about my family. I think my family was among the much better ones compared to the rest of the country. There's no concept of love in that country. So while the hollowed out institution of marriage is still uh, very much there, um, it is a still hollowed out. The, uh, people stick with each other because they have no other choice, because the society made um, single mothers uh, unacceptable. So because of that, uh, uh, that, that rigid uh, rules imposed by Europeans, the families are still uh, 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 in a way intact. But things are changing very, very rapidly. Maurice, uh, remember, the, the the society, the Indian society has no underpinnings of moral values, which means that if you remove the rules, which means that until now, until recently, no one got divorced, no one had became a single mom. Because moral values don't exist and because you no longer <clears throat> uh, impose rules as strictly, uh, over the next few years, single motherhood will uh, uh, increase exponentially in India. Promiscuity is already massive in that country. Um, uh, Divorce rate is already, from what I have heard, among the middle class, the the so-called educated middle class, the divorce rates are uh, increasing very, very rapidly. And remember, um, the, the, uh, the lower class was always feral in that country because the British never managed to influence the cultural values of the uh, rural and lower class people. So uh, uh, the problem is that while um, single, you know, 40 to 50 percent of children are born out of wedlock in the U.S. and it is accepted uh, in India, this will go much worse. And the reason is that uh, not only the institution is getting destroyed, but the lack of moral underpinnings in that society means that that society, when the uh, tyrannical application of rules go away completely over the next uh, three or four or five years, 
the, 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 the India will actually culturally and socially fall apart. Uh, there will be a massive rise in single motherhood. Uh, there are already women, a lot of girls who who walk around almost half naked because they want to prove to the world that they have arrived. So you know the the all this hedonistic, uh, barbaric uh, behavior will arrive in India very very rapidly because there's no underpinning of moral values in that country. You you reference moral under underpinnings here. You shared a video with me that I can't show here, but I'll have a link to that video below in the description box. What are we looking at when we're watching this video? Can you kind of narrate for us what the scenario is there? Okay, so, uh, you know, just about a week back or two weeks back, there was an accident in the city of Indore in India. Uh, and I went to do my post, uh, my, uh, my engineering degree from Indore. I lived there for five years. It, Indore is supposed to be one of the cleanest and best cities in India. Uh, now, uh, what happened in this, uh, the, this, this city was that in a temple uh, over um, a step well, a historic step well, what they had done was that they had put a thin layer of concrete to cover it up. Uh, now, um, you know, everything in India happens based on bribes. So you can pretty much get away with anything. So in Indore, you, you, um, they, they, they had covered up with a very thin layer of concrete. And in the tweet, tweet message that I sent you, you can see how thin that concrete is. Uh, and, uh, you know, not understanding the nature of concrete, these people had brought in um, a lot of people sitting on top of that concrete that concrete collapsed these a lot of these people fell into their step well and about 50 people died and the video that i show you is a video of uh, you know at the circumference at uh, over on 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 the ground there are about 50 or 100 people standing a lot of police officers a lot of so-called uh, 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 rescue people uh, and they are all telling one person who is the only person trying to bring up a woman to the top. Uh, the person trying to bring this person does not have any safety gear. He has no helmet. He has no shoes. Uh, and uh, the, the code that they are using is a code made up from broken pieces. Uh, at the uh, while he's still trying to come up with 50 people trying to tell this rescue person what to do, uh, the the knot that was uh, you know this made up cord from small pieces of cord uh, gave way and the woman fell back into the step well, which of course meant that she died and crashed uh, by falling. Uh, but but this is the situation with that that country. How completely dysfunctional that country is. In among the best cities in the country, they could not mobilize a rescue operation. The police, which was staying there, is standing there. Uh, you know, they had no understanding of um, safety measures. They, uh, you know, the, just the chaos is worth watching. But it also tells you about uh, what is wrong with the economy of the country. A hundred people trying to do one person's job, and that one person's job gets does not get done well leading to the death of that woman uh, which is how uh, uneconomic the contribution of most of indians are 
Uh, and this is what makes me extremely sad about the country. You have to go walk around and live in that society for a few days to really understand that that country uh, has no concept of system. It's a dysfunctional society and there is actually no concept of moral values, which means that you cannot create any system in that country because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it is values that hold the bricks of any system together. And if you don't have moral values, everything falls apart. Yeah, I applaud the heroic efforts of that gentleman and what he attempted to do. But you're correct. Where was EMS, if you would, and where was the human chain and where was the collective effort, if you will, of everyone? Because imagine what he had to do to to bring her to the position where she was. And he's only one person. Uh, That's a lot of weight. And uh, yeah, that certainly is an unpleasant sight. Again, we can't show the video here. We'll leave a link in the description box. And, uh, you know, viewer discretion, make sure you're an adult. If you're going to watch it, I wouldn't share it and show it to children. Uh, You did reference one more point here with with regards to India about the economy. It seems that Apple seems to have an interest, if you will, where they just open up their first iPhone store or shop in India. Is this a sign for things to come? Um, Well, uh, yes and no, Maurice. And this is not for the Indian audience. Uh, my best guess is that that shop has been opened to impress the woke, um, relatively uh, unexper- inexperienced uh, brokers and analysts uh, at, in, in Wall Street. Um, they, it is an attempt by Apple to convey to the Wall Street that there's a huge amount of growth is still to come. India is not a growth market for Apple. Maurice and anyone um, worth his salt in that country would want to go to Bangkok or London uh, to buy his iPhone. They are not going to buy in their iPhones in India because uh, uh, they they don't have this uh, prestige conversation to have if they buy an iPhone in India. I think again that iPhone shop is that Apple shop is mostly. Uh, to convey to the Wall Street that, hey, there's a still a lot of growth to come from Apple when Apple might be running out of options. Uh, there's nothing else. Uh, Apple did move uh, some of their manufacturing facility to India. I think uh, maybe 1% or so from China to India, again, to, to impress the Wall Street more than anything else. <clears throat> but uh, uh, from what I heard, uh, uh, the the iPhones made from the Indian facility are coming out with a lot of defects. Um, and this is, again, a problem with India. Indians don't have the, the concept of values, nothing to keep things together. So they don't really understand the, the concept of value of uh, quality. So they just put things together, hoping that it would work. So uh, things will, uh, those kind of things have never worked out in that country. India never industrialized for the same reason. And India will never industrialize uh, in the future either. It's a pre-industrial society. It's a, it's a pre-civilization society. There's no civilization in this con- that country. The structure has been, was imposed by the British rulers. And that structure has been hollowed out and now taken over by the virus uh, of uh, completely feral, junky kind of people in that country. So, again, uh, uh, you know, Maurice, as you know, I have historically advised companies about investing in India. uh, And most of the time I tell tell them not to invest in that country because they, you know, 
it looks very uh, in, uh, attractive. India looks very attractive. The costs are very low. You probably pay about $4 uh, a day to a worker for a 12-hour work. Uh, a lot of things look very cheap in that country, but when it comes down to getting things done, um, nothing gets done in that country. Uh, people are unskilled. Uh, the institutions don't work. Uh, th there's corruption everywhere. Uh, for something that I needed to pay uh, about 50 cents to get a job done uh, in India, I was asked for a bribe of 800 US dollar. So that's the kind of corruption that exists there. I have never seen a public servant who does not ask for a bribe. Uh, so, so again, uh, th this uh, 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 this is this whole thing about Apple uh, setting up a shop in India is fallacious. It's uh, it's a way to fool the Wall Street at best, or uh, perhaps um, um, the 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 board of uh, Apple does not really understand India. They are all probably woke people who within uh, and they have no courage to speak up their mind to really try to understand India. So they want to live with this romantic uh, view on the future of India. Um, Maurice, I have been talking with you for the last five, six years, and uh, uh, I, I think you might agree that I haven't been proven wrong about my projections about China and India, and mostly that you should never even compare the two countries because China is headed towards a possible possibility of becoming another South Korea, whereas India is headed towards becoming another Sudan in the next few years. Well, I'll take it a step further. I'm, I can't recall one time you've been wrong on any of your projections. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, leaving India, let's move on to resource stocks. Mr. Bandori, when it comes to arbitrage opportunities, your name is second to none. Do you have any to share with us? Uh, well, uh, let's talk about uh, one company. Uh, uh, one company, Step Gold, is acquiring a, 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 another junior, Canadian-listed junior called Anacotis Mining. The ticker of Anacotis is XYZ. And that is a ticker, XYZ. And it is trading at uh, about 39 cents or 40 cents. Uh, and at that price, uh, it offers you an arbitrage upside of 25%. The arbit the merger value of the Anacotis mining is 50 cents. Uh, and I think Step Gold, which is acquiring Anacotis mining, is fairly valued. So the underpinning value will still be there. And you have a 25% uh, arbitrage upside in owning Anacotis uh, mining. There's another uh, ASX company um, called Essential, Essential Mining or Essential Lithium. I can't remember the name exactly. The ticker is ESS, and it is trading at 45 cents. It was going to get acquired by another company for 50 cents in cash. The deal did not go through because the shareholders of ESS uh, went against the deal. Uh, so, as which meant that uh, ESS fell back to 55, 45 cents. Uh, my guess is that given what's happening in Chile right now, which is to do with nationalization, uh, people will pay attention to lithium stocks uh, where projects are outside Chile. Uh, and uh, eventually, there should come a better value, better offer for ESS in the future. So I'm happy buying ESS right now. It is not a direct arbitrage uh, for the moment, mm -hmm. uh, but I will not go... Uh, it above 45 cents. I did acquire it at 45 cents and 44 cents recently. 
Well, on behalf of everyone, Mr. Bandari, thank you for sharing those opportunities with us. Now, before we leave, Giant, all of the aforementioned are connected in one way or another to a subject that is your life's passion, which is philosophy. For someone new to your work, how does philosophy apply to our discussion today? Uh, well, again, uh, Maurice, we actually had a, a fair bit of discussion about values and moral values. And, and the thing is that without values, there is no glue to hold society together. We are feral. We are barbaric and eventually savage if there is no glue of moral values holding society together. Um, Europeans were the only people who developed the concept of civilization uh, and moral values. They really were the only people. Uh, and they exported that their values on a silver platter to the people in the third world and the people in East Asia and the people in Americas. Uh, and unfortunately, what you have, what we have seen is that uh, apart from East Asian countries, which is uh, Japan, South Korea, Singapore, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and China, uh, other countries uh, outside the Western world completely failed to absorb uh, the values of the, that uh, Europeans brought to them. And the reason is that there was no underpinning of um, uh, uh, truth or no underpinning of looking of uh, exploratory mind among the people in the third world. The end result is that um, uh, India, uh, the, the third world has um, uh, become uh, very dysfunctional uh, and the values did not stick. So um, th that is the problem we have today uh, uh, in, in the third world. An extension of values is behavior. And you have probably the most, my favorite quote I've ever heard. When you change your heroes, you change your behavior. Can you just expand on that? I know it sounds simple, but it's actually the solution because everyone wants to know what the problem is, but we don't ever talk about the solutions. That, to me, is the solution. Can you expand on that, sir? Well, again, uh, Maurice, I come back to the same thing. The 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 understanding moral values is pre, uh, is extraordinarily important. Without moral values, there's no civilization, and the only way you can uh, absorb moral values is by interacting with people who have uh, moral values who give you feedback and if you have in your society people you can look up to people like Doug Casey uh, people uh, you know there are some a lot of great people in in the US in the Western world but somehow because of this inversion of meritocracy that has happened uh, the heroes that we today have are like Kim Kardashian or Paris Hilton or you know the the celeb what we called you know the fake celebrities the 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 uh, uh, not the patricians. These are uh, you know these are just fake people who have mm -hmm. become become to become heroes of our society. So uh, looking up to good people, looking up for good leaders, is what brings moral values in us, and that actually also makes us uh, a, a happy uh, people in the long term. Maybe not in the immediate, because in the immediate. Hedonism gives us the most pleasure, but hedonism, and I have lived that life, Maurice, so I have no, I'm not saying I have been a saint, but um, you, you, hedonism is, is a momentary, transitionary 
happiness or pleasure and it passes away very, very quickly. And then you must seek a peace uh, over a long period of time. And that is only possible if you have moral values. Europeans developed the concept of moral values. They, the only society that absorbed it, those values to some extent are East Asian countries and rest of the people, 4 billion of the third world, uh, including uh, Latin American countries, failed to absorb them. Uh, and that is why those societies are falling away. And that is why I run my seminar because I want to remind Western people about how important uh, moral values is. And, uh, you, know, they, you know, the name of my seminar is Capitalism and Morality. Capitalism is moral. And uh, it is extremely important to have moral values. Otherwise, we will drift, revert back to our, uh, we will lose our civilization eventually. And the West is rapidly losing its civilization because it has given up on Christianity. And Christianity was a cornerstone to uh, a fabric that provided moral values to the society. Now, speaking of capitalism and morality, where will it be conducted this year? So, um, Maurice, uh, we have started, uh, I have run Capitalism and Morality in Vancouver for the last 12, 13 years. And now this year, we are also starting a Calgary chapter, Calgary in Canada chapter of Capitalism and Morality. So the Calgary seminar will be held on the 20th of May, 2023. And the Vancouver seminar will be held on the 9th of September, 2023. So now we will have two seminars running uh, in Canada every year. Oh, I love it. Now, Mr. Bhandari, if I want to attend, how can I register? and What is the cost? Uh, both uh, seminars are similarly priced around $160. Uh, you can go to my website, jayantpandari.com, and there's a tab called Capitalism and Morality, within which you will see uh, the program details of the Calgary seminar and the Vancouver seminar and register for those two seminars independently, uh, about $160. And for, for, for someone who's new to it, if you want to see a collection of these uh, previous um, seminars that Mr. Badari's conducted with his awesome I mean, insightful, intriguing guests regarding this subject matter of philosophy. Visit his uh, website. We'll have the link there for you. And you can just see, I think from September through December, you released a collection of, of different discussions. And they were each, uh, in their own merit, worth, worth a whole conversation in and of themselves. Well, Maurice, I have to thank you for editing and uploading those uh, videos. You did a fabulous job, and I'm grateful to for the work you did. Uh, and you have helped me a lot with uh, these videos in the past. So again, thank you very much. All those videos are available uh, on my website. There are links to uh, the YouTube and Odyssey on my website to those videos. Well, the pleasure was all mine, sir. Last question for you, sir. What did I forget to ask. Um, well, I just want to mention uh, some of the names who will be speaking uh, at Capitalism and Morality this year. Uh, Professor Amy Wax will be speaking uh, and uh, people who want to, who don't know about Amy Wax, and I absolutely love what she says. Uh, they should watch her conversation, uh, an hour long discussion with Tucker Carlson. Um, she has a lot of other speeches. She is uh, hated by the woke people because she's a female and she's 
she's a professor in a, in a university. She has, I think, been fired from her post and she's fighting against it. A very good fight that she, she's putting forth. I absolutely love the work she does. And she is um, the, 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 one of the keynote speakers uh, in my seminar on the 20th of September, 9th of September in Vancouver this year. Another uh, speaker we have, new speaker we have is Maxime Bonnier of People's Party of Canada. And again, uh, I have, prom- you know, I, I truly like his policies and I hope uh, Canadians find the courage to go and vote for him because um, if they don't vote for uh, uh, Maxime Bonnier, can- Canada's drift towards wokism will continue and actually gain pace over the period of time. So these are uh, two new speakers. We have the usual speakers, Adrian Day, Walter Block, Jeff Deist of the Mises Institute and Rick Rule uh, at the seminar. Oh, that's an awesome collection of speakers here. Well, Mr. Bhandari, it's been an absolute delight speaking with you, sir. Wishing you the absolute best, sir. Great. Thank you very much uh, for the opportunity, Maurice. Pleasure is all mine, sir. Thank you. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor. 